Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Really great to be a part of the process and help people understand what's going on in the political world because it is complicated. It is, and you make it entertaining, and I Aww. appreciate you. Well... Thank you. Go on. Um, <laughs> uh, also, you know, uh, today I was going to say, and we were just talking before the break or before being on air during the break about working out. Yes. Uh, today is a momentous day for me because I went into the gym for the first time since before COVID. <laughs> I did not know. You it's didn't tell me that we were talking about this time. before. I wow. mean, I've worked out. You could say, like, I go jogging and mm-hmm. I would do yoga, but... I've not been in a gym since, I mean, even before that, like I hadn't, I'd been in a yoga studio, but it's been years since I've been in a gym. I have to say, every time I belong to a gym, (laughs) I like in the past, I have never gone. But then I decided to finally break down and do CrossFit, which I thought was, you know, which I kind of had a judgment, lots of judgments about actually. And it's the only time in my life I've actually been committed to going going to the gym and actually do it. It's made a huge difference in my health. But I will also say, I'm not one of those CrossFit evangelists. That's not why I bring it up. The reason I bring it up is I joined a CrossFit gym that is all outdoors, all open air. So I've been going to the gym for a large part of the pandemic because it was COVID safe to do so. And for a long time, we were still wearing masks, even though we were near each other. But honestly, wearing a surgical mask while running is not hard. It's not a big deal. So I don't know. I agree. Yet I did. I have tried it before and I was... It was a bit intense. I'll tell you what, if you don't want to be running or whatever it is, yes, you will always notice. Find, exactly. Yes. yes. I was noticing it and yes. it was distracting and bothering me. Yeah. And a reason, excuse to stop running. Exactly. Uh, so yes, um, it was it was cool to be back in and to be working out and pushing myself and I uh, I have a long road ahead yeah. to uh, gain my strength. Don't back. we all? Yes. Don't I, we all? I was doing a lot of things where I'm like, yeah, I have no you know, that power, the mm-hmm. muscle power. Yeah, and I've hit a plateau in getting rid of my COVID bad bod. So I'm really like, what yeah, do I need to change? Good for you. Thanks, thanks. I'm I, down 30 pounds. I know, that's amazing. You mentioned that uh, the other day. For me, the incentive was like, my boyfriend had taken a picture of me going into the water the other weekend. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it was a weird angle, but let but. me tell you, um, my, <laughs> oh my like, but I was like, this is flatter and dimp- more dimply than I've ever seen. And no, there's no hate to that. Just for me, I'd never seen my butt like that. And it was just like, I, I was like, yeah, I, I get to get it together. I never feel like my butt is plump enough. Like I wanted to do that. Like Beachbody used to have that Brazilian butt workout you could do. Yes. I want to lift. I want to get that butt going. I don't want to yeah. lose the weight. I just want to get stronger yeah. and toned. I specifically want a meatier butt. 
Yeah, I'll do Not that. Not meteor like meteor in space. Meteor like M E A T. I know. I hear honey. you. I hear you. I'll show you the meat market. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a vegetarian, so. Oh. Um, coming up on the show, uh, we have a lot happening. We're going to be talking about the forward party. What is that? In 30 minutes. Then at 3.35 p.m. Pacific, 6.35 p.m. Eastern, daydreaming. It has a dark side. Mm-hmm. You know, is, is your fantasizing holding you back? I don't want to talk about it. Right? I mean, it's real. That's also next hour. So stick around and more music, of course, here on Channel Q. Let's get into some what's trending this hour, though, right now. As inflation goes up and the economy seems to be diving, you might be wondering, are we in a recession? Well, here's what uh, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen had to say about that today. Most Americans have a similar definition of recession. Substantial job losses and mass layoffs. Businesses shutting down. Private sector activities slowing considerably. Family budgets under immense strain. In some, a broad-based weakening of our economy. That is not what we're seeing right now when you look at the economy. But what about tomorrow? <laughs> I mean, in this minute, maybe. I don't know. I mean, there's obviously stuff going on. Yeah, there's a big difference between public sentiment and what technically is a recession. And there isn't oh, really? even necessarily one definition of recession. I mean, honestly, the economy is a very complex thing. And it's we want to make it simple by saying, is it a recession or yeah, not? Yeah. But really, it's complicated. And the fact that there's a war in a country that support, that supplies a huge portion of the world's grain yeah. um, and all the things that we are doing to try and punish Russia around oil and gas those things are unique factors plus coming out of a pandemic yeah, I it's know, all we co- act, it's complicated we act like it's so simple like why can't they figure it yeah. out the reality is elected officials can't do that much it just kind it, of is cyclical and it happens yeah and it requires so many other outside forces yeah and so yeah. if you're like i'm going to vote differently in the fall because of the economy well fine but it's not going to change much it the, yeah. it's the economy's going to do what it does and we have limited power well, to change it the problem is it will change and then they're going to say it was because of that president oh, 100% because i once i once saw a woman on tv who right after trump was elected she had gotten Obama, had gotten on obamacare yeah. and she thought it was trump that gave her that health insurance but Obamacare had been the law of the land oh for years. Oh, my God. People are just ignorant. Yeah. Uneducated. Yes. That's really unfortunate. Okay, moving on uh, to the head of the World Health Organization, who has advised men at risk of catching monkeypox to consider reducing their sexual partners, quote, for the moment. Nope. It follows the UN Health Agency declaring the escalating outbreaks in multiple countries to be a global emergency. The World Health Director General said 98% of the monkeypox cases detected since the outbreaks emerged in May have been among gay, bisexual, and other men who have sex with men. He called for those at risk to take steps to protect themselves. It's a no from me. It's a no from me on the monkeypox. What are your steps you're taking? Honestly, the steps I'm taking are to continue doing what I've done for months, which is be alone. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) I pet my... The most contact I have is petting my neighbor's or my roommate's dog she loves a scratch oh, behind the cute. ears that's the physical intimacy in my life <laughs> congrats I don't even hug my roommate okay maybe I have a problem I mean I don't hug my roommate either it's just weird I feel like if you yes if I haven't seen him in a long time I'll just hug welcome back or if I'm going away somewhere yeah but other than that 
Anyway, all right. Uh, finally, for the fourth time since the global epidemic began, a person appears to have been cured of HIV. It's a 66-year-old man named the City of Hope patient because that's the California center he was treated in, and he's been in remission from HIV for 17 months. Wow. Yeah, he's lived with the virus since the 1980s and underwent a risky treatment for his leukemia that coincidentally eradicated HIV from his body. Wild, right? yeah. wild. So he no longer takes HIV drugs, is beyond grateful, of course, to not only be cured of cancer, but HIV too. And researchers made the announcement on Wednesday at the International AIDS Conference in Montreal. My hometown. That's all. Yeah, you know, making moves. That was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news? Oh, it's time for the T-Report. And I want to talk to you about Olivia Rodrigo, who has been having a moment for a minute. Uh, huge fan. So you, if you're a fan of Olivia Rodrigo, you may know that she used to be romantically linked to Josh, Joshua Bassett. And they met uh, in 2019 on the set of High School Musical, The Musical, The Series, mm-hmm. the Disney Plus series. Um, and so they met then and they were, you know, publicly romantically linked when her song Driver's License came out in January of 2021, which was a huge hit. I was like... Yeah. Am I listening to a song about a teenager getting her drivers? I am, and I love it. What's happening? <laughs> um, anyway, so they were, so, you know, fans came for him hard, and, you know, they had quite a falling out and didn't talk for a long time, but they were just spotted on a red carpet for the season, I think, three premiere of High School Musical, the musical, the series. And um, in that time, he's come out as queer. um, And so, you know, a lot has changed in his life. A lot has changed in their lives. Although, uh, another piece of news related to this that I'm, that I, I don't know how I feel about, Mm -hmm. you know, she's been downgraded from series regular to recurring character because they think they're phasing her out so she can focus on her music career. Yeah, so they haven't formally announced that, but they're kind of phasing her character out, which honestly, if I were her, I probably would do the same thing. Of course. Yeah. So anyway, that's what's going on in the T-Report. Cute. Teen- well, they're not teens anymore. I was like, teenage. They play yeah. teens on TV. Of course. <laughs> that means I could play uh, a 20-something. Totes. Same. Okay. Next up, uh, Senator Joe Manchin has an, ab- an ability, as we know, to drag the Democrats down. But could his latest move save the party? Is he a savior? Mm. Uh, next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Well, Senator Joe Manchin finally reached a deal with Democratic leaders on a spending package that has created a lot of infighting, to say the least, among the party. And it stalled many decisions. Here's VP Kamala Harris. The agreement reached yesterday between Leader Schumer of New York and Senator Manchin is a major step forward in our fight against inflation. When passed, this landmark legislation, we believe and are convinced, will lower health insurance costs by an average of $800 a year for 13 million Americans. It will also reduce the cost of prescription drugs, reduce the deficit, address the climate crisis, and create jobs. Joining us right now is Health 202 anchor from The Washington Post, Rachel Rubin. Welcome back. Thanks for having me. Well, is this a breakthrough moment for the Democrats? That's a great question. It's something that we have not seen, and it is a signal that a lot of the Senate Democrats have been waiting for. For months they've been saying, okay, we want a package that can get 50 votes, which means we want a package that Senator Joe Manchin, a Democrat from West Virginia, supports. And this is, you know, the first time that we have legislative text from him and Schumer that he says he can support. This is so 
uh, to me as somebody who enjoys the minutia of politics, I'm, I'm, I find this so fascinating, but I think about how there are lots of little details here based on what we know so far regarding the health aspects of this bill. And I wonder if you could just run down some of the key points and, and explain them as if we don't get them. Because I know that at some point it had been, you know, the government can negotiate on some but not all drugs and then you know we're extending uh, uh, subsidies for like for, for Obamacare plans but you know some people might even notice it because they won't have felt the lapse I think there's a lot here and most people might not quite have a grasp on it so back to my question I guess could you run it run down the, the key points that folks need to know about what's in this bill of course so the two main health components are one like you said would extend enhanced financial aid to Americans who get their health coverage through the Affordable Care Act insurance exchanges. So there's roughly 13 million people who've been getting increased financial aid for the past year and a half, and that was set to run out at the end of this year if it wasn't extended. So Democrats uh, want to extend that for three years. And then the second big piece in the health bucket is uh, policies that Democrats want and believe would help with drug, the cost of drugs. So one is allowing Medicare for the first time to negotiate the price of drugs uh, for seniors, and that's a policy Democrats have campaigned on for years. And um, it also includes the drug pricing provisions, a $2,000 annual cap for seniors on their out-of-pocket spending for prescription drugs as well as some other policy provisions. Those are kind of the big buckets here in the health category. Well, just to follow up on the pres- prescription drug piece, um, can you just go into a little bit about why allowing Medicare to, pre- to negotiate drug prices is of perhaps indirect benefit to everyone else? Um, so, that, so what you described is sort of the thinking of, you know, allowing Medicare to negotiate and get better prices on drugs for seniors. Um, the thinking that that could then kind of help help the market in general. And so, I mean, we, we're, you know, it's a select number of, of drugs. The first year, I think by 2026, it'd be 10 drugs, and then gradually ramps up to 20. So it's not, it's not every drug. There's like a select number of drugs. But that is sort of the vision here by Democrats for the drug pricing pieces. I mean, I know you only speak to really health, so I guess he also included, you know, now he's uh, agreeing on some of the climate change bill, it seems, and other things. Um, But this is a pretty big moment. Uh, What do you think the future will hold now that Manchin is on board as it relates to health here in America? There are a few things we're looking for. One is Senate Majority Leader has said, you know, repeatedly as recently as a few hours ago that he would like the Senate to vote on the bill next week. So, you know, kind of the first big question is, one, do they end up having a vote next week? Um, and then, I mean, two, another thing to look at pretty closely is there have been some absences in the Senate Democratic Party recently with people being out quarantined because of COVID. So they need they need 50 votes. They have a razor-thin margin in order to be able to pass this bill. So that is kind of the big next steps that we're looking for next week to see if it comes to fruition. Okay, that was Health 202 anchor from The Washington Post, Rachel Rubin. Thank you again. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye. Up next, what is the forward party and is it about to ruin the Democrats for 2024? Next. Oh, God. 
Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. All right. A new political party has launched if we weren't having enough issues with our current ones, which I could see that's why there's an opening. But is this the right timing for it? It's called Forward. It was launched by former Democratic presidential candidate Andrew Yang and former Republican New Jersey governor Christine Todd Whitman. And Yang posted about it on YouTube Hey everyone, I know you heard about Andrew Yang and the Forward Party, and I'm here to tell you actually what it is. It's probably not what you've heard. What we're gonna do is actually solve the problems that are literally driving us crazy. What am I talking about? Right now, we have this two-sided duopoly that's just clashing and clashing, and you may love one side more than the other, but you have to face facts that this system is not working. Unfortunately, the polarization is reaching record highs to a point where people can't be in the same room as family members. We're seeing literal violence erupt. All right. Well, you get it. You get the marketing here of the forward party. And uh, the question is, will Yang and Whitman be able to save America as it seems like they're promising? Well, back with us is my co-host and political strategist and political voice here. Political, political things. Political things. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Ryan Basham. Welcome back. And tell us more about this. What's your take? So, you know, I I think I was saying to you over a break that I feel like Andrew Yang's political ambitions kind of misalign with the value he brings. He's got a lot of value to bring at the national stage. Um, But starting a new political party is, is not not the not the right call um you know the what they're planning what they're trying to do here is create a place where people who are moderates people who are in the middle can feel like they have uh, a political home that isn't um uh, that isn't bogged down with the baggage that the two major parties have the democrats have a party a baggage for all kinds of reasons fair and unfair the republican party has well now has baggage that's mostly fair because they've f- thoroughly embraced you know MAGA, Trump, you know, authoritarianism. Um, and uh, and But most people are dissatisfied with our two-party system. Yeah. I know I am. I would love to have a multi-party system like they do in like most parliamentary systems like in the UK, for instance. But we don't. Um, and it takes an immense amount of... It's really... To get a, to get a party... To get can, a party on the ballot for president yeah. alone is an immense undertaking because it has to be done in for separate processes in each of the 50 states and territories. Um, and so, you know, that alone. And, and so, you know, every time we have a, a minor party that tries to become a major party, like the Green Party or like the, or the Libertarian Party, they run someone for president who always loses. And um, then they draft people off, who, the Democrats, yes. and then we're like, oh, we're stuck in the place where the party we were trying to really go up against. Yes. Like the really evil one. You had the lesser evil, but still not so mm-hmm. good. Yeah. You know, I mean, in, in part, not in whole, but in part, Jill Stein in 2016 was a spoiler for Hillary. Um, in more than part, um, you I know, Ross Bernie, Perot, well, Bernie Sanders was on the. Yeah, it was a primary for the general yeah. for the general election. Jill Stein siphoned votes. Um, and then uh, although anybody who supported her would be mad that I said that. It, but it's true. Don't come for me, please. Um, and uh, and, you know, in 2000, you know, uh, say there were enough votes voted for minor parties in the state of Florida that it would have that it could have turned the tide alone Florida alone you know what what I think a party needs to do if they want to really build a new party is go from the ground up start running people for like dog catcher and like you know city councils like little races and work your way up that's how you know work your way up build a political establishment Um, so I think this is a really silly idea but the plan is to create something new something fresh Um, but I feel like that's these overarching ideals and dreams by the way, yes, it's, I think it's what everyone wants. Mm-hmm. But 
are they actually explaining how they're going to make that happen? Because I feel like it's it, is it based in reality? Uh, no. <laughs> no, it's not. I mean, look, the, and this is a this is like a conglomeration of groups, you know. So there's the there's the Ser- Save Amer- Serve America mo- movement, um, which um, is uh, a, a you know a group of Democrats, Republicans, and Independents led by former Republican Representative David Jolly of Florida, who I like uh, as a person. I think he's really smart. And then there's the Renew America movement, which is former Republican officials. I mean, so these kinds of groups have kind of come together to create this, and I. I, I, if they were trying to create an alternative to the Republican Party for conservatives and moderates who lean conservative, that would be different because I do think the Republican Party may be permanently dead and rational people who are conservative do need a, a party where they can – that they can call home. But that's not what they're doing here. They're, they're – they're potentially setting Donald Trump up to be president again that's in 2024. What I'm it, yeah. yeah. And it's possibly – it feels like it's a uh, – ego-centric campaign or vanity campaign for Andrew Yang. I mean, he obviously cares about this because he ran for president. And I know he cares about politics. He then ran for mayor of New York. I don't think he's going away from politics. But, like, is this his best way of entering the political sphere? I don't think it is. I think... um, you know, everybody who's somebody has can find people around them who encourage them to run for president because like, they <laughs> think that's listening. what you want to hear. He's yeah. Listening. yeah. And so and I think he's listening. And I think um, and I, I think the reality is he has so much value to bring. But the, in yep. the larger calculus of how we elect leaders in this country, it, it, adding a new th- third party to the mix. And right all that now stuff with is not where right, we're at. Yeah, it's just not the right call. Stake. No, and, and it, a, n- a new party will just not be able to have yeah. enough systemic control to actually make change. It's going to distract. It is yeah. and possibly destroy. All right. Well, next up, uh, what would you do if you attended a funeral and the wrong body was in the casket? <laughs> From dark to darker after this. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Oh my God. I, I don't even know what I would do if this happened to me. Uh, <laughs> a New Jersey family says the wrong body was in their mother's casket, which had to be lifted out of the ground during the funeral service, according to a lawsuit that was filed um, this past week in Bergen County. I what? just can't ima- imagine. In the lawsuit, this family says the mix-up of their mother's body intentionally and negligently inflicted severe emotional distress. Obviously. How does this even happen? I mean, like, that that is the thing. Like, you could really do, if you're in the funeral business, or yeah. like, in a, like, you could potentially not do the right thing if you were a-holes and unprofessional. But, um... You know, in in certain religions, they do look at the body in the casket yeah. before they put it in the ground, possibly, or actually like up from the funeral parlor. But I don't know. Uh, this I is just, wild. I mean, it's wild, but I can see how you know it, any system that repeats over and over is bound to have a mistake at some point. Is bound to fail at some point. That's just how systems work. So whatever <laughs> system so they have, bad. whatever whatever <laughs> they, you know, when you have a repetitive action, just like you know, like every once in a while, you have to retighten the the screws on your the the you know the handle things on your kitchen sink because it got loose. That kind of thing just happens. So I can I see how this was sim- a simple mistake and oversight. They normally this get is it like right. the funeral f- funeral person's mistake. Like oh, it was one of those days. Yeah, which I, d- put it in the wrong body. You know, it. it happens. Yeah, I have a hard time grasping how they could, because this they allege this family alleges that it was intentional. I'm not sure how that is intentional. What if they like lost it or something happened or it didn't look good? I don't know. When when this person viewed the body of her mom on the morning of uh, I guess that the date that the funeral was, she told a funeral employee the body in the casket did not appear to be her mom. Uh, the wow. employee suggested that the daughter did not appreciate a different appearance after death, rationalized that the altered appearance was attributable to the embalming process and application of heavy mortuary makeup, fake hair, and or some type of filler like Botox. I cannot. This is you know, so bad. I mean, look, when my grandmother passed away, she was knocking on a hundred. Wow. And she in the casket didn't look like herself. It was her. But so the made her look really good? No. Oh. No, but like her <laughs> Sorry, skin yeah. was so you know, her skin was so frail and like, uh. you know, during the embalming process, your whole body, you know, that you know and as in uh. rigor mortis sets in things just all freeze up. And so the way that her skin kind of settled, it just didn't quite look like her. And also, I don't know, the way they applied the makeup, I think, drug it around. It was weird. It was weird. So I can see how somebody who might look similar, you know, might be confused. It's one of those moments. Yeah. Anyway, well. I don't know. I guess I'm trying to give them the benefit of the doubt, but I'm sure this family's going to come away with plenty of cash if they haven't already. Yeah. Funeral homes make a lot of money. Funeral oh, cars, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, yeah. It's a busy business. It's a hugely it's the, busy business. It's yeah. the one business that no matter when, what's happening, pandemic, recession, it's yeah, business as People usual. People always are dying. It just is happening. I know someone who works at a funeral parlor here in LA, and it's fascinating. It takes a certain type of person to do that. By the way, I know. I know. I've known more than one person who works uh, in um, a morgue, and I'll tell you what. One of them I know, she kept a brain, put it in a jar, and took it home. All right. No, that should be illegal. Oh, my God. I think it is. She shouldn't be talking to people it is. that. Okay, well, on that note, next up, we got what's trending this hour headlines. Also, Neil Patrick Harris, he revealed some things about his 18-year relationship. Mm. Is it inspiring? Is it something 
you might not want to hear. I don't know. <laughs> More next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Yes, what's up? It is Shira. Ryan Mitchell is out. Ryan Basham is in filling in. Out with the old, in with the new. Yes. Although it's actually I'm older than him, so out with the new, in, in with, with the, the old. Yes. Oh, <laughs> we're creating uh, new ideas here. Yeah, <laughs> well, ideas may be a strong word, but we're creating something. <laughs> it's a new term. Yes. Let's create a t-shirt. Merch line. If it, look, if it can go on a shirt, I will repeat it over and over again. <laughs> yeah, I know. Monetize that. Yes, find me a good graphic designer and a good screen printer. OMG. All right, we got more music coming up. Right now we're getting into some more show. Neil Patrick Harris is revealing some really sweet things about his 18-year relationship. Mm. More on that in the T-Report. Uh, Plus, Daydreaming has a dark side. And it could be actually holding you back. We'll tell you more in 30 minutes. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour, though, right now. In a public hearing for a West Virginia abortion bill that would ban the procedure in almost all cases, a 12-year-old girl supporting abortion rights took to the lectern and shared this very powerful question. I plan on doing great things in life. If a man decides that I'm an object and does unspeakable and tragic things to me, am I a child supposed to carry and birth another child? Some here say they are pro-life. What about my life? And does my not does my life not matter to you? Addison Gardner uh, was among the speakers giving 45 seconds each to plead their case to lawmakers. Despite this really impassioned plea, as you heard from her and other abortion rights supporters in and outside the chamber, the House did overwhelmingly pass the bill by a vote of 69 to 23. <sighs> you know, it's really somewhat depressing. My, my, my whole extended family, run, like our family line yeah. runs through West Virginia. Mm-hmm. So every time something gross like this happens in West Virginia, I just think, man. Well, part of me thinks, honestly, man, I'm glad my family got out of there. Oh, yeah. It, it is really strange. Yeah, when you uh, when I have calls, with, like, because I, I have calls with people all around the country. When you find out where they're from, like, mm-hmm. you do wonder, like, is this is this what everyone's talking about? Like, if you're there, is it on top of your mind? Honestly, I think when you live in a place that's because I grew up in a place that's really conservative in Tennessee too. It's it's I think most of the time it's just a, a thing you resign yourself to. Like, you know what? It sucks here, but this is where I live, you know, so this is something I have to tolerate. And I think until it becomes truly Gilead, then, you know, when it gets really, really bad, they're kind of desensitized to it. Yeah. Uh, Moving on to Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, who is tied with President Joe Biden in early polling for New Hampshire's presidential primary. (laughs) The state is one of the first to vote during the primary season. 17% of Democratic primary voters preferred Buttigieg, while 16% supported Biden. So it's like one percentage off. Buttigieg has the highest favorability rating of all potential candidates at 35 percent. What do you think about that? Well, I mean, that's within the margin of error, so it's a a statistical tie. But look, this far out, polls mean virtually nothing. Okay. So, you know, I mean, people run these kinds of polls all the time. And, you know, the only thing that really matters is the midterms and Biden's approval rating impacts potentially down ballot. Well, he's not on the ballot, but other Democrats. That's the those are the polls that I'm looking at now. I won't be interested in polls about that until at the earliest, maybe January or February of next year, but probably not until late next year. Okay. All right. Good to know. I mean, Buttigieg, I see he's older, maybe running again. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. he could be the first gay president. Okay. Absolutely. That was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news? Oh, it's time for the T-Report, and I want to talk about, you know, my doppelganger. People used to say that I look just like him. Neil Patrick Harris? Yes. And, uh, and, you know... I mean, I could see some features. Right? And especially when I was younger and, like, you know, skinny. (laughs) 
are. Uh, I know anyway. I'm not fat. Um, I'm I'm gay fat. I'm just kidding. I'm in, I'm I'm happy with my body. <laughs> I love my body. Anyway, um, so and Neil Patrick Harris is starring in a new um a new series called Uncoupled, which is about um someone who's been in a relationship with like, for I think like 17 years or something, and then they get broken up with, and mm-hmm. it's exploring that. And he's been talking about how. Being in a long-term relationship is all he's ever known. You know, he kind of came out a little bit older. He started dating David Burka. Things kind of moved forward, and here they are 18 years That's later, wild. married, have uh, kids that are preteens. Um, and he said, um, and, and uh, you know, he said that it was like um, a really, it's like he's so grateful for the relationship mm-hmm. he's in. But, you know, in this show, he said, you know, everyone can relate to dating someone and wondering when they're going to say I love you or when are they going to live together. It's it's a it's an exciting and scary time. So, you know, um, I'm just really excited to see this story. And it's also really heartwarming to see good news, be reminded that good things happen for LGBTQ people exactly. in love and in life. They are so, a very sweet couple. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thanks for, for inspiring us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or for depressing some people who are single. Uh, no, I think you. Get I may may not be me. Yeah. Next up, what the new interest rate rate hike means to you? Should you be freaking out? Well, perhaps I don't know. More next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Well, the Federal Reserve did it again. They raised interest rates by another three quarters of a point to deal, of course, with inflation and the flailing economy. So what does this mean for all of us? Back with us is Delano Saporu, CNBC contributor and great all-around person. Welcome back to the show. <laughs> that, that's high praise. I appreciate that. Thank you for having me back on. Okay. So can you explain what this means for the average person? Because when yeah. you talk about interest rates, like people know about interest rates for the, maybe their credit card, obviously mortgage, depending on the loans you have. A hundred percent. you you're talking about all the things that are hitting everyone across the, the world. We're raising interest rates, and really, it's the Fed raising short-term borrowing rates for institutions, which trickles down into everything else, right? So as you mentioned, your, your car loan, your credit card, your savings rate, all these things will continue to raise because we're, we're raising interest rates to kind of moderate prices and slow down you know, inflation. So can you talk a little bit about, I have so many questions, but could you talk a little bit about how raising the interest rate moderates prices of goods? Yeah, uh, it, it, it's, it's a kind of a roundabout way, but how you get to it is when you raise these rates, right, people will take a pause on doing something, right? You've seen a lot of people say, oh, okay, I was going to buy you know, a house, but now the rate's a little bit higher than I wanted. And now my mortgage payment will be a little bit higher than I wanted. I'm going to wait for a little bit. You see people that are going to buy a car, they're deciding, hey, I'm going to wait to do that, purchase that car because the rate's higher than it was, you know, six months ago. And so what that does is it takes away the demand, which will then make the the, the sellers have to lower the price to entice those people to come back to the table. Mm. So it's that roundabout way when you raise rates and you, you know, you kind of trickle that through the economy. It's the roundabout way of slowing down demand, which will at some point hopefully stabilize prices. But then doesn't that mean that um, if companies can't sell enough or make enough revenue, like then obviously that impacts jobs, right? A hundred percent. You're getting to that point. So that's that balance that the Fed keeps talking about when they talk about the soft landing. They want to slow down the economy, but not so much where, you know, a lot of people are getting job cuts and we go down to a deep recession. You just saw the GDP numbers came out this morning, I believe it was, where we had another contraction this quarter. So when you're raising rates, you are going to start to slow down the economy, which, as you just mentioned here, is going to have an effect on whether it's jobs or wage growth or all these different things. So it's that balance. That's a really, really hard balance to play, but something that they're trying to do to get to that soft landing. 
You know, um, as you say that, it makes me think about Senator Elizabeth Warren published an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal, I think a few days ago, talking about how doing this thing that they just did, raising the rate, is is unwise because it doesn't get to the real issue at hand. And it makes me wonder, is the Fed kind of like that, that you know, that idiom about to a hammer everything is a nail? I mean, are they doing the one thing they can do, even if it's not necessarily the thing that should be done? Yeah, you're exactly right. They have those two, you know, they have a couple of, you know, tools that they can use to combat this. And that, as you mentioned, it's like, this is probably like one of our only few tools. And so they're using it. Is it that effective? You know, some people argue that they maybe did things too late or they're, now they're being a little bit too aggressive now. So you're, you're so right when you're saying like, it's the one tool we have, the one trick uh, that they kind of have and they're using that. And is it going to be effective? We don't know yet uh, because we're trying to make sure that the economy doesn't slow down too much. And everyone stays employed because, remember, we still have a high, uh, a good, a lower unemployment rate, which is good, right? And we still have that. But is that going to change in the future? That's the big, big question. I just want to know from that article. Now I got intrigued, Ryan. Like, what is Elizabeth Warren saying will work? Like, does she have another option? (laughs) That's a good question. I, I, I don't. I would love to see. Well, I, I was like, Brian, Brian Basham over here. You read it. Well, I did read, you know, honestly, and I've been watching her interviews talking about it, and she's kind of saying the things that Democrats are doing in Congress. And so I guess that, that might be a good question to put to you. I mean, you know, in the larger scope, I mean, it seems to me there's very little the government, period, and any part of the government can do about this a recession. It just kind of happens and we have to deal with it. Is is that fair or or what can be done other than the Fed raising rates? Yeah, I think that is, you know, pretty, pretty fair. I think there is, you know, a bill floating by which is the bill back better that was repackaged to like the inflation bill. There's some policies and different things that, you know, you can put pressure on certain companies to do certain things as well, whether it's, you know, I know the, the administration does a good job and, and it's hard, but putting pressure on obviously oil companies and different things of that nature. So it's, there are things that policy wise that, you know, you see, you know, politicians try to use to, to do that. But you know, overall, as you were mentioning, it's really not, it's like a supply and demand, it's economic thing, which is so vast that there's all these little things you could try to do. But in, in conglomerate, you really have to kind of let the, the wheels turn and hopefully, you know, you get through this part and get to the better part. All right. Well, that was Delano Sapporo, CNBC contributor. Thank you again. Thank you, guys. All right. What's coming up? Oh, my gosh. I just am sitting here thinking about how I'm going to start opening credit card applications that come in the mail to see if any of them are zero interest so I can transfer my credit card debt. Because this great thing. Yeah, that right? sucks. Um, so you got to pay it off. Yeah, if exactly. You can. Exactly. Mm. So, uh, and speaking of, I was daydreaming, and that's what we're going to talk about next. <laughs> yes. Is daydreaming holding you back? We're going to take you to the dark side next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. All right. We are talking about daydreaming. Uh, do you ever find yourself daydreaming? And what does it actually do to your brain? Well, according to some experts, it might uh, do the things that you don't expect. And hmm. there might be, uh, it might be not as good as you think, actually. Joining us right now is Eric Typley, freelance science writer. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Awesome. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Yes, of course. I mean, I love this subject matter. It's something that impacts all of us, whether we like it or not. So there are benefits to daydreaming. What are they? Yeah, so I mean, uh, maladaptive daydreaming is something that 
uh, is something that's completely separate from normal daydreaming. Normal daydreaming is something that we kind of do every single day. I mean, I just did it a few minutes ago uh, when I was kind of thinking of uh, this interview and kind of what I was going to talk about. It's something that can be very beneficial, especially in a child's development. Like, for example, I know that they've done research recently that has shown that a child's development of imaginary worlds or paracosms, which are completely normal in a child's development, actually allows a child to um, be able to kind of partake in other creative endeavors, for example, like drawing or storytelling or interacting with friends. Uh, And daydreaming is extremely common, even in adults. Uh, Matt Killingsworth, an American scholar uh, who studies human happiness, uh, developed a mobile application called Track Your Happiness to survey uh, 15,000 participants. And he ultimately found that we spend around... um, around 50% of our uh, day, uh, our days daydreaming. Um, and that's obviously not bad even for an adult, right? It allows us to kind of plan our day out or to be able to plan a vacation or what we're going to do with uh, the family over the weekend, right? So um, it's completely normal, uh, but, but uh, daydreaming also exists very much on a spectrum, uh, which I know you kind of want to discuss a little bit today with maladaptive daydreaming. Yeah, yeah I, you know, <laughs> I'm a very verbal daydreamer. I like have interviews that happen in my mind and then I say them out loud and then my roommates are like, are you talking to yourself in the shower? Um, so it makes yeah. me wonder, how do I know the difference between productive, supportive daydreaming and mal- maladaptive daydreaming? And how do I know I'm doing it? Well, we, we should first look at kind of the spectrum of daydreaming, kind of a lot of the mental processes associated with it. Um, daydreaming is very much of what we like to call a dissociative activity. It's something where we kind of lose touch with what's happening in front of us, our physical senses, and we kind of retreat into our little inner uh, inner world, which is completely normal. But that dissociation and that daydreaming also very much exists on a spectrum, right? So, for example, on the very extreme spectrum, we'd see kind of um, responses to anxiety, you know, dissociation, uh, such as dissociative disorders, right? Like uh, what used to be called multiple personality disorder and is now called dissociative identity disorder, where we kind of uh, retreat into maybe a separate personality on the very extreme end. But for example, maladaptive daydreaming, the word maladaptive really refers to this idea of something that is more harmful than helpful. So even in the short term, we'll kind of understand, you know, intense daydreaming that involves vivid fantasies that kind of take up a lot of our time. That is not, I mean, when compared to normal daydreaming is completely different, of course, right? Because in maladaptive daydreaming, we have a lot more of this time-consuming aspect. We kind of create these characters in our head uh but the problem is is that it becomes uh very real it becomes very time consuming and in someone who may be suffering with uh extreme anxiety who may also be uh afflicted with maladaptive daydreaming they may use that daydreaming as a form of that coping mechanism similar to what we see in dissociation Hmm. but what's kind of different between normal daydreaming and maladaptive daydreaming once again is that fact that they go into a very deep state of dissociation, right, where it's very hard to pull themselves out of it. And uh, the daydream itself can take up to, I mean, in in that very vivid state where they're kind of closing their eyes, maybe uh, pacing around, maybe their apartment or their room perhaps, maybe closing their eyes and whispering. Um, It kind of becomes a almost a kind of a, a defense mechanism yeah. against stress so, in some cases. Eric, we, we need to wrap. Just give us like a quick like tips on how to change these habits because I, I feel like we've said all this. We can't leave people thinking like, okay, what do I do now? <laughs> just like really like 30 seconds. 
Okay. Well, um, well, one example is practicing kind of mindfulness meditation. So kind of being able to kind of bring yourself back into uh, back into reality by kind of noticing things around you and kind of grounding yourself back in uh, that moment. Now, maladaptive daydreaming is not officially recognized as a disorder. It's still very new. And so there's still a lot of research to be done. But uh, but understanding triggers and understanding stressors that may um, may kind of motivate or may facilitate maladaptive daydreaming uh, can be very important actually suppressing it all together and kind of right. building a support system with family, friends, yep. and most importantly, yourself. And it's mm. very important to kind of see uh, a mental health physician if you do feel like you're encountering stress or some other type of um, issue, maybe even concerning daydreaming as well. Well, yeah. there you go. Such an interesting topic. Thank you so much. That was Eric Typlay, a freelance science writer. Um, check out his article about this in NewScientist.com. Thank you again. Thank you so much for having me on. See ya. Fascinating. Okay, here's what's next. Are you ready for this? What could you learn in Chris Jenner's new masterclass on becoming rich and famous? Coming up. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. So, you know, I subscribed. I actually got a subscription to Masterclass for Christmas, and um, I haven't used it once. <laughs> yeah. But I have to say I'm intrigued in a kind of morbid curiosity kind of way because they've just added a Masterclass from Kris Jenner, matriarch of the Kardashian, yeah. Kardashian uh, Jenner the dynasty True. legacy i'm not f- whatever a hu- whatever you get and, it. and so yeah so it's a basically um a, a master class about becoming rich and famous it's a how they did it kind of a thing and it talks about doubling down on quote-unquote hard work which we should talk about because i have things to say about well, that let's be clear it wasn't about 
Was it about being rich and famous? I thought it was about your brand. Yes. Like, well, that's the th- I think rich and like, famous is implied that, because their yes. brand is we're rich and famous. Yeah. I mean, they're famous for being famous. That's all they are. You know, and I don't want to hate in- completely. I mean, they're obviously they do work hard. They have they they took they they happened to be in the zeitgeist at a moment in time. Exactly. With, and then they leveraged that. It's the perfect storm. Yes, and it parlayed into entering the reality television space at the right time exactly and that grew the same the same sort of circumstances might not yield the same results Listen, now exactly but at the same time we talk about you know the privilege of it all which there is a lot um and also the fact that with a lot of their brands that they built they possibly stolen and they have stolen from black culture and black creators mm-hmm. that is real um but there's other people like nicole richie and paris hilton even though paris makes a lot of money but like and has her own business but the businesses they've been able to build like are bigger than even some of the other people that have had reality shows and had the opportunities oh, yeah. they've had. So there's something to be said about how they've been able to craft it and yeah. do it. Yeah, what what is luck is preparedness meets opportunity or something like that is a yeah. quote that somebody said. You know, I mean, that's essentially what happened here. They they had an opportunity and they made it a thing. So Chris Jenner, let's just, because we do need to wrap up, I don't want to tease it too much because you should buy it. No, I don't care. Well, I don't know. If I don't care if you should buy it on Masterclass because we don't get affiliate links or money. So we'll give you a little reveal. So some of the things she talks about from this Vice article, and we'll give credit to the Vice writer on this: uh, making a vision board, doing which mar- is obvious. Yeah. <laughs> obvious. I would doing think. market research, Another posting an thing. Instagram story, basically self promotion, shameless self promotion, finding hashtags that are relevant to your interests. Um, these are some of the things she talks about. And she also talks about literal hard work. I mean, Kris Jenner wakes up at 4 a.m., is working she out says, before 7. She exactly, says. But has a team around her. Like, she now is able to create that lifestyle, whereas it's not necessarily realistic Yeah, there are tons of successful people who get up at noon. Just saying. Just saying. Hey. All right. So there you go. It's $150 if you want to buy it. or buy Well, the, it. Whole, the whole subscription to oh, Masterclass, okay. not just her class. Yeah. Got it. I think. Well, next up, <laughs> more of what's trending, and we're talking Spice Girls and yes. the Tea Report. The latest news next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Yes, welcome back. It is Shira. Ryan Mitchell's out. Ryan Basham is in, and we still have a lot coming up, including more music here on Channel Q. Uh, so stick around. We're going to be talking about Spice Girls, giving you some yes. tea in a moment. Yes. yes We're yes. excited for that. <laughs> it's a good day if we got some Spice Girls news. Plus, is crying at work okay? We're going to talk about what you can do about that and what is too little. What you can do about <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> is, is there too little? Is there too much? That's in 30 minutes. Oh, that's funny. Uh, let's get into some what's trending this hour because, you know, everyone is, I guess, applauding or just being like eye-rolling Senator Joe Manchin. who finally <laughs> came to the better side um, and agreed to go forward with Democrats on uh, this bill that will end up moving us forward with health care. Um, with some climate um, money that's going towards that to mm-hmm. help Americans. And they were really stuck around that because Senator Joe Manchin was like the one senator that just was not moving forward. Yeah, he was a holdout and his excuse was, and I guess it's, I don't know, I'm not going to characterize it, but he said because of inflation, he wasn't prepared to spend money on other things. Yes. And so <sighs> a lot of people are saying, oh, yeah, like Biden really pulled this together. I mean, in the end, I feel like uh, it's an assumption and it's a good assumption to have. Well, here is uh, Senator Manchin actually talking to WV radio host and saying what really happened and how uh, this slimmed down reconciliation deal went down. Oh, here, one sec. Playing the clip. It was me and my staff. And then we worked with Schumer's staff. My staff was driving it. 
we wrote the bill. Schumer's staff would look at it, we'd negotiate, and we worked that through them. So President Biden was not involved? President Biden was not involved. President Biden was involved in the others. We went to the BBB and everything. We knew where things were at. We used some of those parameters and all that. But I was not going to bring the president in. I didn't think it was fair to bring him in. Uh, and and uh, this thing could very well could not have happened at all. I, th- I find this so fascinating. There are even people saying, because most of this bill is pieces of other stuff they did work on with Biden. Yeah. But, you know, that people are saying that this was kind of, they hoodwinked Mitch McConnell because he was going to hold hostage this other bill if they did this. And then they got that other bill passed. And then the very same day, this press release came out that said, oh, just kidding. We are going to do this party line reconciliation bill we said we weren't going to do. Mitch McConnell didn't want. Uh, so, you know, maybe they played he, Mitch McConnell. Yes. Hopefully. He probably thought, oh, they're not going to get it together. Yep. And they did. Yep. Finally, uh, vaccines used during the smallpox eradication program also provide protection against monkeypox. However, newer vaccines have been developed, one of which has been approved specifically for the prevention of monkeypox, according to the World Health Association. But if you live in the U.S., you may not have to settle for a smallpox vaccine because the Biden administration announced more than 780,000 doses of the vaccine that will be available Friday. Those doses will add to the 300,000 doses distributed this month. It's a total of 1.1 million. The federal government also ordered 5.5 million doses to be made from supplies in manufacturer storage, which will be ready in 2023. There is enough material in storage for 11.1 million more doses if needed. So it seems like they're getting it together. That's a good thing. It's a good thing. Yep, that was What's Trending This Hour. We actually, oh my God, we had the first, I think, positive What's Trending This Hour in a long time. What's happening yes. in entertainment news? It, la, 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 la. Can you pull that bed up just a little bit for a second? La, 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 la. Yes. I can't hear it because you're singing over Sorry, it. spice up your life. Okay, so got some Spice Girls news for you. I don't know if you know this. I'm the world's biggest Spice Girls fan. I went to the last two nights of their reunion tour in 2019 with the best seats in the house. Don't mind me. So wow. news, first of all, Victoria Beckham, Posh Spice, did not join them for that tour for reasons we don't have to get into, but she is getting back with the other four, so the the girls are all coming together for a documentary. So they're making a documentary about um, about the Spice Girls, and I desperately wanted to work on this documentary in some way. I couldn't find someone to reach out to and beg to let me work <laughs> with them, or for them, whatever. I will That's grab amazing. coffee. Like, I will, I will humble myself. But So by the way, if you're listening and working on that documentary call me. Um, so really excited about that documentary. And another piece of Spice Girls news, if, you're wa- if you've been watching Queen of the Universe on Paramount Plus, which is a, um, an, a basically a tangential property to the Drag Race franchise, it's actual a singing competition for drag, for, uh, drag uh, queens. It's, uh, so first season, Leona Lewis was one of the judges. Mm-hmm. She's being replaced this year by Scary Spice, Mel B. Uh, Scary, so, Spice, Scary Spice uh, or Mel has done judging before. She was yeah, doing America's Got Talent? Uh, I think it was America's Got Talent. She also did one of the, or maybe it was Australia Got Talent. Got no, I'm no. Sure. She did. She's done several singing competitions on several continents. Uh, so you know she's gonna kill it. Amazing, love it. We need. We all need some spice in our life. Yes. Next up, the actress who turned her queer life story into a one-woman play. More next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Well, I love this actress on HBO's His Dark Materials. It's a show I'm a huge, huge fan of. Nerd alert. Um, but now she is also starring off-Broadway in her own autobiograph- autobiographical one-woman play called Heart. Jade Anuka, welcome to the show. 
Thank you. Hi. 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 I'm so thrilled to talk to you. I'm a huge fan of your character, Queen uh, Ruta, from uh, His Dark Materials. I, as soon as this came across my desk, I was like, I know her. Uh, so thrilled to be talking to you about. Uh. Um, yeah. So so thrilled to be talking to you about Heart. Um, so you know, your play is called Heart. We could all use a little more heart these days. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your play? Yeah. Um, it's a play that kind of starts with a journey of the heart, journey of my heart. It's two weeks after my 24th, uh, 24th birthday, and I'm about to get married. And it kind of goes through the kind of challenges, the hurdles that I come across, and that I think a lot of people will recognize um, in love and life, and the kind of inner demons that we have as well that we need to kind of face. And basically, it's, um, it's kind of telling you that living authentically is the best way to go, you know, living honestly, living openly, living with your heart, you know, following your heart. Um, and you do talk about, of course, falling for a woman after your marriage to a man ends. Uh-huh. Uh, tell us more about, you know, opening up in that way. That's very vulnerable to share that story with the world. <laughs> yeah, totally. But I, I feel like I needed to say it as in it felt like, a thing that I hadn't seen before and I hadn't seen my kind of experience on stage before and so yeah it's not necessary and I felt like I wanted to write a play that I would have loved to have seen when I was younger and it probably would have helped me with my demons when I was younger you know Um, but it's quite thrilling this is so cool, and you know, I uh, I'm a, a theater kid at heart, and so I um, aside from being a nerd and loving seeing you on my television, I, I you have an extensive theater resume, especially in the UK, and I, I I know that you intended to open this show on the West End for the five gay people listening to this show who don't know that's like Broadway in London. I know. I know. You know, for the minority people who don't already know that listening. Um, but so, but it didn't end up opening because of the pandemic and then it ended up becoming an audible original and now you're running in an off-Broadway theater in New York. Tell us about the journey to get this show um, on its legs. Well, yeah, I mean, you kind of touched on it. It's been a, it's been a longest journey. It was 2018 that I first um, wrote it. I first kind of bled my heart on a page. I kind of, it wasn't structured. It was just a long poem or a series of poems. And I sent it to a friend who is a producer, um, Kate Patton, who is still co-producing on the show. And she was like, this is amazing. I need, I think the world needs to hear this. And so she's helped me put it on. But yeah, as you say, it was supposed to be in London in 2020. Kate thought of that. And then I'm so glad that all of them picked it up. And they said, how do you feel about premiering your play in New York City? And I, of course, jumped at the chance. I love this city. So I'm really, really happy to be here. Um, I was watching a little trailer for the uh, show and you were talking about, you know, you are a black queer woman, but this is what it's about, but it's also not what it's about. Tell us more. Yeah, it says I'm a black woman, but I, you know, it's not about being black. It's not about being a woman. It's a very human story, um, and it's I say it's for the misfits. You know, it's for the people or any one of us who's ever felt out of place, felt othered in a situation. And I feel a lot of us can relate to that, um, whether or not they're black or they're women. I mean, I think black people have been in that situation a lot. Women have been in that situation. Queer people have been in that situation. But I'm sure there are others, you know, that have, and. I do feel that this story and what I have found from responses, which has been incredible, is that a lot of people have connected that didn't expect to. 
connected to elements of the story, which mm. has been really great. You know, I, I just as we're talking about the vulnerability it takes to tell this story from your personal life, I'm also thinking about the ferocious character you play on his dark materials. And as I think about it, that vulnerability is probably how that ferocity in your character on the show is so compelling. And can you just talk a little bit about the differences between being on a really you know high budget TV show, playing that kind of a queen like character, and um, versus being on an intimate stage and and opening up your heart and talking about your own life? Part of the thrill of being an actor, I feel very lucky to be doing the job that I'm doing. Um, Playing with Scotty was an absolute dream come true. I'm uh, it's a big nerd when it comes to fantasy as well. And the idea of flying and fighting, kind of working with um, the kind of sci-fi, uh, sorry, not the sci-fi, like tech of like working with green screen and all of that. And it's such a, as you say, it's a huge epic adventure that. And then, but then this comes back to heart, comes back to the kind of what got me into theatre initially, what got me into acting, which was telling a story. I mean, it is that, isn't it? We're all just storytellers up on there. I'm trying to tell you a story in, this, in the kind of similar way that we do when we tell kids stories, you know, and we try and keep it interesting and keep it engaged and say things that we hope um, people will connect to. And I love the kind of intimacy of that. And I love the variety of being able to go from something like we just got in, in um, his dark materials so something so personal, I mean, probably couldn't get more extreme, you know, the difference. Um, but that's the joy of it. That's the joy of this work, I think. Well, I, I think it's awesome. And I hope, and you're right, like seeing yourself on stage is so important to empower you with who you are. And obviously it's been powerful for you, but for right. others to see you, like there will be so many, yeah. um, you know, young women that will see you and say, oh my God, like now I can maybe lean into my truth. I don't need to be scared anymore. That's what I hope. I mean, that's literally why I've done it. That's why I've put it on. Is that hope that I can just let you know one person feel less alone and feel like yes, they've been represented on stage. That's the key. Uh, this is I'm so inspired I wish we could talk for hours but unfortunately we have to go so thrilled mm-hmm. to have you Jada Nuka's play Heart is running through August 14th at the Minetta Lane Theater in New York City and is also available on Audible as well thank you so much for joining us thank you so much for having me All right, next up is Crying at Work Okay. I love it. It's like the theme of vulnerability. The latest on the power of soft skills coming up next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Hello. Welcome back to the show, everyone. It is Shira and producer Shelby has been hanging out with me. Hey, hey. It's been exciting. Um, And so what are we getting into now, producer Shelby? We are talking about crying at work, something we have both done because we are emotional (laughs) people. So here's the thing. Yeah. And and there's a balance. I think that there could be the crying that is... um, healthy right and then I think all crying is healthy to be clear I think that there could be other side where you're having trouble regulating like there's the other extreme where uh, you're crying obviously you have something that needs to be expressed let's be clear so uh, stopping that and repressing that can hurt you in the long run even the short run actually Um, and and we've all done it and there's a time and place to cry but I think the more we get used to stopping ourselves the more we are telling ourselves um, and not giving ourselves permission to feel. Um, And this is a very tricky subject. 
as I mentioned, because there's a time and place. Um, and guess what? If you cry, even though you can't control it, when you got to cry, you got to cry. That's I don't know why it's so taboo. It's something that, I mean, some people cry more than others, but it's a normal function. It's like telling someone not to sneeze. You don't so, just so, Yes. It. So here's the thing. There's a difference between a tantrum. Yes. Like, and just, oh my God, you know. Which, by the, sorry about that. Never do that again. <laughs> Freaking out like a bunch of cats. And, and and if you are always crying, like my hope is someone would see you, whether it be a colleague or friend, say, I'm concerned. What's mm-hmm. going on with you? The problem is, I think, in this society, instead of saying, are you okay? Like, what is is there something going on? Like, do you need help? We go, what's wrong with you? Yeah. And that, like, the difference between those two questions is a world of difference Mm -hmm. that not only shifts how we approach these things, but shifts the person who's dealing with that, which is, it's relating to, uh, it doesn't even need to relate to extreme mental health issues, but there could be some attached to it without Mm -hmm. them knowing it. It gives grace and space to that person to uh, figure out what's happening. Yeah. Right? And not to mention people could be crying at work but maybe it doesn't even have to do with work maybe there's something personal that and i know exactly i know like leave it at the door but it's not always that easy that is not i'm sorry and and i know that and, and there are people here and and i have friends that say it, you know it's a privilege to be able to do that and i get it there are a lot of people um who are um marginalized who have been the minority at certain workplaces and there was no room, right? Like mm-hmm. they have to show up in a certain way because of um, m- many stigmas and issues. That is a, a real thing. That said, that has created, I think for certain people, and I can't speak for those people, but like um, a feeling of like, I don't want to necessarily show up just always on defense or mm-hmm. always um thinking I need to show up as a certain way to be accepted. It's draining. It's draining. So I would say like that on on the in the place where uh, of someone who hasn't been able to show up in their truth before. And as a woman, I guess, you know, I could say I'm not uh, a minority, but I have, been, you know, we have been marginalized yes. in the past and still now, unfortunately. <laughs> um, I think that I do get triggered because, um, you know, I, I think a lot of times if you are emotional and sensitive, you've been told probably when you're younger, to get it together. Mm-hmm. And what people don't realize is when you're an adult and you say that, that is very triggering. Because, yeah. like, you have been told that growing up. You know it yourself. You, When I do let it out, unless it's a totally safe space and we're just all kind of shooting the stuff and mm-hmm. venting. But if, if you're in a situation where you're just feeling something and you're like, no, get it together. Stop. And you just feel it. That is, I think most people, if they have traumas around crying in front of people, it's mm-hmm. very, it, it, I personally start feeling what's wrong with me. I'm ashamed. Mm-hmm. I feel guilty. Did I do something wrong? And it's even worse when people draw attention to it too. And then you're just like, oh, just leave me be. Like, let it be normal. Yeah, um, let it be normal. And so don't go off and tell me about, oh, we need to bring mental health in the workplace. We need to make people feel safe. And then when someone cries and lets it out, whether it be to you or at you or this, that, and then make them feel bad for it. And I want to mention something that this article brings up on uh, Fortune.com, how working from home has changed how we feel our emotions at work. Because if you're working from home, you are 
not in a public place, you can handle these things while still getting your work done in, in a in a private manner. Well, now this is being integrated back into, mm. you know, normal, like being in the office. So it's like you've built up that that kind of comfortability with being yeah. vulnerable. And now yeah. you have to go back to getting rid of that. So I think that's a really interesting conversation to have, too. So I guess tips coming out of this of how to deal with it. One, um, I think be curious about your emotions. Uh, get comfortable with them, like a person, right? It's like, why, why is this coming up? What's really behind it? Is it the situation? Is there something happening? A lot of times it, it, it helps to, uh, if you have safe spaces like therapy or friends to process with, you know, your, your coworkers might not be those people. Mm-hmm. Um, journaling helps. And I don't, I, I think this idea of like, let's stop apologizing for yes. crying. Yes. I think that instead of apologizing, it's okay to acknowledge and, and uh, show your appreciation to whoever was there. Hey, thank you um, for creating space for me. I was having a moment and I, I appreciate you just letting me show up the way I need to show up, right? So... Let's just destigmatize crying in the workplace. And if you do cry a lot, I think that's some information for you that uh, you do need to get some support. And there's maybe no. something going on that's not working for you. Yep. And that's okay. So there you go. That was a little therapy moment. All right. We are uh, back next with more of Let's Go There. Uh, I'm looking for what's coming up because it just kind of came off. Oh, one second. I want to tell you. Here we go. Um. Fake. Oh, God. This is a story I saw and I was like, people are starting to fake positive COVID tests. What happened to this one person next? Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. So uh, according to this TikTok video, this person worked for a company. They were invited on a retreat and they didn't want to go on the retreat. So what did they do? And I want to know from you if you think it's wrong, morally wrong. Well, they faked a positive COVID Results. They posted this to TikTok, and of course, it created a lot of response. Some people, of course, feeling connected, like, oh my God, I gotta do this. Like, I don't wanna go to my company retreat or like see my team or anything like that. And then others obviously thought it was really ethically wrong because we know this is still uh, a virus that kills a lot of people and hurt, has hurt a lot of people. And it's like, okay, uh, for a lot of people, they don't have the privilege. Like, if it's positive, it could lead to their death and getting really sick, mm-hmm. right? And they're just like, ha ha, I'm gonna just like boast about this. I've never been the type of person, by the way, if I wanna get uh, get away, not a get away with something, but like not do something, I never uh, use the excuse of being sick. No. I think it's like bad juju. Right? Because our health is something we should not take for granted and we shouldn't joke around about. And uh, if anything, I mean, I I don't think I ever honestly lie to get out of anything. Like, I'll be... I on no. I typically am so honest. I'll be just like, I'm really dying here. I'm tired. Like, yeah. Like, I would love to come, but I'm seriously like super burned out. I'm tired. I need to rest. Like, I just need to be home. Thankfully, I do have like the excuse now because my boyfriend lives in like far away outside of LA. So it's like, just docks him. Yeah. I'm just like, um, I'm like two hours out of LA. I'm like yeah. basically not in LA right now. Mm-hmm. I'm on vacation. Yeah. I think that brings up a kind of different conversation about, um, like 
having to explain yourself. Like, I shouldn't have to explain myself. I should just be able to give you a yes or no. Yes, but that's the thing. But now I feel obligated to say, I can't because blah, blah, blah. I should just be able to say, I can't. I think that, it. once again, we all got to talk the talk and walk the walk with everything. Yes. Um, I think that, and we kind of talked about this in the previous segment, we talk about, you know, we want to create the company culture we want and we are expanding that and evolving and yet there's little things you do that it's like are you really changing are you really listening in the end yeah it um it does suck if you were a boss and you created this whole thing including if you have a small business oh yeah because like that is like there is something about team building and Mm -hmm. like if you're doing a retreat that is about team building and one of the people don't want to be there it's like i would rather someone say like i have social anxiety or i feel really uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and like maybe try to find like Uh, can you join via Zoom, right? Can you join at least for some of the things? And they probably like spent money to do this too. Like there's probably like lunch provided. It's probably like out of place. It's a lot of time. Yeah, it costs a lot of money. And a lot of times it is to bring people together, Yeah, uh, which I know it doesn't always do. Uh, Let's provide an update though, because this brought up a big conversation for a good reason. Yeah. Uh, This person afterwards said, oh, he was just joking, which I hate because it's just like, like, it's like you're trolling us. Yeah. So lame. Like, th- there's a difference between an obvious prank, quote unquote, and something where you're just creating something. And by the way, anyone could be doing this on TikTok and social media. Oh, yeah. You could constantly be putting up something that's like really interesting, creates a great conversation, and it's all fake. <laughs> it do- It's not real at all. It makes me wonder how many people have actually done that, though. Like, actually, I think a lot more people than you think. Oh yeah. Oh, that or than penciled in line. Oh Oh, yeah, definitely. And I know a lot of people, if they test positive, they'll like send a photo to their friends, be like, "Here, in case you need to get out of work or whatever." It's just like, oh, come on. I mean, I'm all about taking advantage of sick days and stuff, but in the situation of of COVID, like, I think that's a little different than like. I don't know, like a fake temperature photo or something like that. You know, I don't know. I just don't. I don't. I don't even do it because I don't want to be sick. I want days off. Yeah. I just don't want to be sick. Yeah. And then when it comes to COVID, now they have to do contract t- tracing. Yeah, and it's all a lot of work. Come stuff, on. So I don't know. Anyway, all right. Well, coming up next, how one trans woman is bringing queer identity to a Jewish tradition on our Yes Queen of the Day. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q. Well, we're wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes Queen. And you know, I'm the Jew here in, in the studio, but oddly enough, Ryan Basham discovered uh, this Yes Queen of the Day. Yeah, I'm really. Uh, excited about this. This is a story about uh, a trans woman named Nikki Green uh, who, you know, the mikvah, which is an important ritual bath that a lot of Jewish people uh, partake in. It's most commonly used for women, for married women who ha- are seven days post menstruation, but it's used for, in other instances too. But so feeling is a, she describes herself as a trans woman with a visibly trans body. She mm. felt like she wasn't comfortable in traditional mikvah settings because you go to a place to do it. Usually, and it makes right? sense because uh, conservative Jews haven't necessarily been the most open. Yeah, totally. They're definitely I mean, homophobic and transphobic. Yeah, I mean, there are lots of conservative Jewish temples they separate by gender still totally, in the yeah, in the temple like, in the shul. So, um, but so it inspired her to to reinvent the Judaica, those the iconic ritual items of the Jewish faith in ways that are and that are outside the binary because so mm, many of them are are gendered. Yeah. So she just you know she's really taken her she's a ceramic artist and she's taken her art um, and made it into something that reimagines. Uh, 
items and parts of the Jewish faith so that people who are non-binary, trans, people who don't fit gender norms can um, have uh, new and more inclusive ways to participate in their faith in their um, ritual history. Beautiful. Isn't that cool? Well, is there, yeah, is there a way to check that so out? So uh, this is an article from forward.com. It's a Jewish independent uh, nonprofit news organization. Um, and again, the, the person's name is Nikki, N-I-C-K-I Green. So give her a Google and see what you find. She's got some really cool and, art out and there. maybe uh, she has an exhibit where you live. Yeah, or or maybe she should. <laughs> yeah. All right, yeah. well, thank you for that. Yes, yeah. queen. Love it. Uh, and that also does it for our show today, but we are back tomorrow, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern, live here on Channel Q with the music and news you need to know. I want to thank uh, Ryan Basham for being my co-host today. It's an honor just to be nominated. Oh, yes. <laughs> Was that the right response? Yeah, whatever, right. yes. <laughs> It's, it's the, well, you didn't get the award. You just got the nomination. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> if you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. Go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There. Uh, and also, what's coming up tomorrow, Producer Shelby? Well, Ryan Mitchell will still not be with us because he will be out celebrating his birthday, yes. of course. Yeah. Yes, um, queen. So... Goodbye to Ryan Basham. Hello to Char, who's mm-hmm. going to be here doing her normal Char Says So. So if you love Char, you better tune in tomorrow. Yes, yes please do. I will be. Love it. Yeah, your your nomination ends. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right. Stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris right after this. He's talking about reconnecting with our body and sex. And of course, as I always say, I'm sending you love and light. Have a great rest of your night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.